0: before we get started, I'd like to honor some very special people uh, here among us. Today is Veterans Day, and did you know that today is the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I? And what's so interesting about that is World War I ended, it ended 11-11, 1918, on the 11th hour. And, And so it's pretty amazing. So it's a special day. So if you served in our armed forces in any capacity, would you please stand so we can honor you today? Come on, give these wonderful people a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I just, I just want you to know that you are still our heroes. And I just, you know, I just cannot say thank you enough for your service. Because you did what you did, I'm able to do what I do. And everybody in this room, not just me. And so we just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I I know it's just really like, hey, thank you and move on. But I really mean it from my heart. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. All right. Well, now that I get myself back together here, because I do get a little choked up about that. Um, This morning, I want to start off by asking you another question. I, I like talking with you. That's why I ask so many questions. Is that... You know, if I if if I were going to pray for you, and I would say, okay, you know, and I could sit down with every one of you individually and sit down and say, okay, I want I want to pray for you, and and I would say I'm going to pray for you for, and if whatever I said I was going to pray for you for, you would say, yes, that's great, I like that, or no. So today I want to I'm going to ask you that question as a as a group of people. And what I want you to say, if, if there's something, if, if, when I say, I want to pray for you for, and then whatever word I say, if that's you, I want you to give me a big yes. All right? So let's just practice the yes one time. You ready? One, two, three. Yes. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yes. Okay? So, I just want you, to, I would like to pray for you to have more peace. Yes. Okay, good. All right. We're, all right. I would like to pray for you to have. More happiness. I would like to pray for you to have more money. <laughs> there we go. Now you're waking up. There, That's what I'm talking about. You're waking up now. I would like to pray for you to have more patience. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I pulled one on you right there. I got you. Because after you said yes, many of you even had to verbalize that. No! The reason I say that to you today is because I think patience has got a bad rap. It's got a bad rap. I want to show you this verse. I'm going to read it to you. This is the verse that I'm about to read to you. It is out of what we call the love chapter in the Bible. Because we hear it at every wedding that you go to, you hear this verse read. And it tells us what love is. So, Look it all up on the screen. It's not on your outline. Look on the screen with me, and let's uh, let's read first of all together. I'll read. I want you to read with me the first three words together, and then I want you to read with me the last three words. You ready? So let's try the first three words. You ready? Love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Okay. Now, what do you re- I just read that verse to you. Read it really fast. What do you remember? What, what's the three words that you remember right there? Love never fails, right? Now, some of you catching on already know I'm talking about patience, so you went to the top, right? Put the, let's put the verse back up. Again, when, when, the, when, the, when God was using someone to teach us to write about what is the definition of love, the very first word that God writes, the first word that comes to mind is, is patience. Love is what? Love is patience. And, and it's so important to know because you and I have been trained to not pray for patience, right? I mean, have you ever, have you ever said or had someone come to you, oh, don't ever pray for patience? You know, You ever ever said that or heard heard somebody say that? We're scared to death of patience, aren't we? And yet, it is the main ingredient for love. You cannot have love without patience. You just can't have it. It takes patience to have love. That means that your home will get better if you become more patient. That means that your job will get better if you become more patient. That means your relationship between your parents will become better if you become more patient. That means your relationship between your spouse and you would become better if you, not them, if you become more patient. And so the devil has tricked us. Somehow he has fed us this lie that if we pray, if we pray for patience that all this terrible stuff is going to happen to us and, and, and it's going to cause us a lot more stress, that is not true. Because God would never tell us something to do that's going to harm us but he always gives us something to help us. Love is patient. And you know, part of patience is this, is waiting, isn't it? Now, I want to tell you something. If you go look in the dictionary and you look at the word impatience, my picture will be there. I struggle with this. I, I don't have this all together, but I'm learning, and I want you to learn too. Because this is what I've understood, is that patience Patience brings me peace in my life, but impatience brings me stress, worry, and anger. In a, you see the person driving in traffic that there's a, the traffic's backed up, and all of a sudden someone gets impatient, right? And then there's road rage. It's all about anger. Why? Because it's impatience. So, so in order for love to grow, then, then I have to want patience, and I have to be willing to pray for patience. And I have to be willing to go through whatever I need to go through to get patience because patience makes me better. And I can't get better. I, we want to get better, but you can't get better until you have this and, and I have this. So, so today I want, to, I want to dive in and I want to go a little bit deeper because one of the definitions of patience uh, that I read this week is, is that patience is being willing to wait without complaining. Woo! 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 Dear God in heaven, I, I, I'm convicted right now. Just think about it. You, you're about to go after this service. You're going to go out to lunch while I'm doing another service. You're going to be eating, but you're going to be waiting for food, and, and you're going to be tempted to get impatient. But I want to tell you, you have a waiter saving on you, uh, waiting on you, and so that maybe that's a sign. If you've got a waiter, that means maybe you to have to wait. I don't know. Okay, never mind. I'm in my own world again. So let's dive into the spiritual component of this. We're going to talk about waiting on God because that's even more difficult. And so this is what patience means in in the context of waiting on God. I have this statement coming up on the screen. So let's read it together. You ready? Let's read. Ready? I am patient when I am willing to wait on God. That's the question. Are you willing to wait? Best thing, those good things come to those who are willing to wait. We've all heard that. But in our society, we don't want to wait on anything, do we? And again, I'm talking to me too, all right? I don't have this down. i got to keep saying that because I'm working on this with you. I want to give you three things today that to remember when you're waiting on God. How do you wait on God? Because in your life, there's going to be time that you're going to have to wait. Because you can throw a fit with God if you want to, but he's a the, he's the good father, He'll just let you keep on throwing the fit until you finally get it right. He doesn't give in like I do. Here, just shut up, you know? <laughs> hey, we're all like that, aren't we? Okay, number one, did you write this down? How do we wait on God? Number one is wait expectantly. James 5 and 7 says this. Brothers and sisters, be what? Oh, only half, not even half of us got that. Let's see if we can do it again. Brothers and sisters, be What? You're scared to even say the word. But remember, love is what? That's right. So we got to learn that. Until the Lord comes again, a farmer, what? Oh, boy. For his valuable crop to grow from the earth and for it to receive the autumn and spring rains. So what he's saying here is take the example of the farmer. Is that you have to wait with expectation. Waiting with expectation. You see, we demonstrate our expectation by preparation. We demonstrate our expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do when we begin to prepare for what the answer to the prayer that we're praying for. It's preparation while we wait. Look at what the, the psalmist says. Psalm 130 and 5 says this. Let's read the first three words. Ready? I wait expectantly. Trusting God to help. Where he has promised. So while we wait for something, we are in preparation mode. So like this, you know, too many people have told me through my life, you know, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to give me that job. And they're sitting at home doing nothing. I said, listen, playing a video game is not going to get you a job. Or sitting at home watching the reruns is not going to get you a job. What gets you a job is you filling out an application. That's the first step, right? Getting into college, you don't get there by waiting on them to, to mail you an invitation and coming and filling it out for you. You have to go online and fill it out before you can go to school. You see, sometimes, hoping, sometimes we're hoping that things are ha- going to happen, but we have to prepare for things to happen. It's preparation, you've got to prepare. You've been praying, now prepare for the answer. We talked about that last week. Look what James says here in James 5 and 8. He says, you too must be what? There it is again, patient. You know what patient, again, waiting calmly. Take what? Take courage. You know what that means? Taking courage simply means you prepare for it. And let me just say, you have to take courage while you're waiting because courage, discouragement is natural encouragement is not natural you agree with that and so you take courage And the next and the next line in this verse tells us how to take courage look what he says he says this for the coming of the lord is near he's talking about there the second coming of christ and by the way jesus is coming back again just want you to know that there's more in the bible about him coming back the second time than the first time but also it also means that in the middle of what you're going through, that God is about to show up in whatever you're going through. So you take courage in that. You take courage that no matter what you're going through, that you know that God is about to do something. And when you do that, that begins to give you courage. Here's what I want you to know. Whatever, you, whatever is out of your control is in God's control. And so if, if he's not answered yet, there's a reason for that, and, and, and you have to be patient because if God were to move right now and you're not ready, then the situation would just blow up again, and you get worse. So understand that he's working this thing out for your good because he is a good father, and a temper tantrum doesn't change his mind. That's right. And whining doesn't make his, change his mind and complaining doesn't change his mind. Why? Because he's got what's best for you. So the best thing to do is make preparation while you're there. So the question is, will you prepare? Will you prepare? So let's say the statement one more time. You ready? Let's say it again. I am patient when I am willing to wait on God. So that's the question you've got to answer today. Are you willing to wait on God? You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I'm waiting on God with my husband. I'm waiting on God with my wife. You know, they need to change. You can't change them. That's why you got to wait on God, right? He has to do what you cannot do, what's uncontrollable. All right, number two, would you write this down? Wait quietly. Wait quietly. Oh, boy. Remember, James is Jesus' brother, and he's writing this book. We're calling it Blueprint, this series, because it's practical living. And here's what he said. Look, you ready to look at it with me? Let's read the second word. Don't. About who? All right. Some of you were grumbling on the way to church this morning about each other. Okay, don't look at them now. Start a, just want to start a fight right here in church. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. So what he's saying is that, that when we're waiting, we get frustrated, don't we? When we're not getting what we want when we want it, we get frustrated. And when we get frustrated, we begin to run off at the mouth, don't we? We begin to blame and complain, right? Some of you, you know, when you, when, you, the first, when you get up in the morning, you rise and whine. Wah, wah, wah. Got to call the ambulance, right? Wah. Yep. You know, some of you hit the ground griping. Some people come home and say, well, I'm just as, I'm tired, I'm dog tired. Well, I'll tell you why you're dog tired. You've been barking all day. I have resembled all three of those remarks, by the way. Uh, and, and so I'm just saying that we know how to control this around people that, uh, that we want to be nice to. But when we walk into our own home, there's something that happens. It's like the, our tongue is un, unloosed and our manners go out the door. And we begin to, to, to begin to go off on the people around us that are closest to us because we're frustrated with life. It reminds me of a story I read of a a lady who who, uh, was bad to complain and gripe at her husband. Matter of fact, she was known for that. The neighbors knew that. They could hear her, and the family knew that, that she was always on this man. And finally, one day, her husband passed away, and she she had the funeral service, and she got the, the headstone marker, and she had inscribed in that, Rest in Peace. And as the people walked by and and read that, they said, oh, God, I hope he does. You know, and so then later they they got to her husband's will, and and they read the will, and the husband left her $5, left the rest of all, everything else he had to his secretary. The lady went back to the tombstone, chiseled a line through the rest in peace, and put, until we meet again. (laughs) get that sucker, right? (laughs) (laughs) Look at what the Bible says, Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2 and 3. This is the Old Testament. It says this. These things won't happen right away. Slow, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. What God has said to you will be fulfilled. Look at these next couple words. If it it seems slow, read the next three. Do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Now, okay, here's what we got to do. You ready? Let's read them, the next three words. Just be patient. Why? Because love is what? Love is patient. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I want to tell you that things that God has shared with me and things I've asked for, some of them have not happened. Many of them haven't happened. I can tell you that when our uh, church was, you know, about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, our church was much smaller. Oh, it was much smaller. And God gave me this vision about what our church would be. It's been longer than 10 years ago. It's been about 1998. And as I... As I began to ponder those things, you know what God said? Again, our church at that time was uh, probably under 200 people, but God began to give me a vision of what he wanted to do. And so about five years ago, six years ago, someone pressed me to write these things down because they made me mad. They, they sat down with me and said, do you have a vision for church? I said, yeah, I want God to bless us. And I said, no, do you have a vision? Yeah, i got a vision. Let me tell you what it is. And so they made me mad enough to write it down. And so I, I wrote them down. And this is what God said, you know, this is what was in my heart that I feel like God has said. Uh, back in 1998, this is what it put in my heart is, is that SEC will baptize 10,000 new believers. That SEC will have 550 connect groups. That's our, if you're not a part of our, I've uh, been around a while, that's our, our small groups that meet. And then that we will receive over 5,000 members into our church. We will work with churches to ensure that every faculty member of Henry County School Systems is cared for and prayed for. We will take our place globally in missions and we will send resources and SEC Christ Connectors to be the light of Christ around the world. We will encourage people to read the Bible. We'll have over 3,000 people weekly engaged in Bible reading. We will transition our children and student ministry into a family ministry to partner with parents in order to disciple children and students from 936 weeks from the time a child is born until they turn 18. We will will connect hundreds of connect groups on campus and in homes. We will expand our facility to the seating capacity of 1,000 in a service to offer more people an opportunity for a better life. And a chance to be a part of, of this family. SEC will be a gathering place for our community. We will offer life changing gatherings for worship in our current site, and we will launch eight additional sites in Henry and surrounding counties. We will be one church and in multiple locations. When I wrote, when I had, God gave me that, our church was tiny. And you know what I said? You got the wrong man, God. And I started telling him who was more qualified than me. I started telling him, now, God, I know this person over here. You should go give that to them because they can do it. I can't. But you know what? God's always glad that I couldn't because you know what? All the good stuff that he does at SEC, he gets all the credit for because everybody knows I'm not smart enough. You know, you know that. I'm not that. I'm not smart enough, wise enough. I'm not that. Every, every good thing you see out of me, you know, comes from God because it's just not me. Without God, I am jacked up, messed up, broken up, and just messed up. But you know what? Here today, we set almost a thousand people gather on the weekends at SEC now. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God knew that, right? Do you, do you know with this expansion, when we get finished with our auditorium in the back as well, that we'll be close to 1,000 seats? Do you know that? When I'm telling you that back when, 1998, when God gave me this vision, and I was like, are you crazy? Uh, this cannot happen out there. Lord, I'm having nightmares. This ain't a vision. This a nightmare. Because you got the wrong address. But I'm telling you what God puts in you, he will bring the past. Now, listen, we're getting ready. We're doing this remodel, but then we'll begin to launch these other campuses around. And, and you're going you're gonna to see in the next 15, 20 years, if God tarries and Jesus doesn't come back, you, if you're going to be a part of this, you better buckle up, baby, because it's going to get rough on this ride. It's going to be exciting. I mean, you, th- you think the screen machine got something. Oh, no, baby. Put them hands in the air because we're going. Right? We're going. It's amazing what God wants to do. So, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Whatever, whatever crazy thing that's in your heart, write it down. I, can I tick you off enough to make you write it down? I don't know, I don't know how to do that, but that guy sat across the table with me and he said, Well, what's your vision? And I told him he wasn't a big name. He said, No, I mean, what is your vision? I was like, I'll hit you in a kneecap and run. That's what I'll do. <laughs> write it down. As a matter of fact, I gave us the next step. It says, I will do my best to write down the dream God has put in my heart. What is that dream? Have you forgotten it? Because God hasn't. Write it down. You know what I do many times? Many times. I, see, I took this. I wrote it down. I put it on my, this is my notebook, my journal that I, that I have. And so I pull it out every day and I taped it to the front of that. And I remind God of his, his plan, not mine. I'm like, Lord, you, know, you remember what you said? And here we here it is. So uh, this is up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to you. And it's amazing what he has done and what he will do. Write it down. It does you good. Okay, on the screen again. Remember, let's say this again. You ready? I am patient when I'm willing to wait on God. Are you willing to wait on God? Number three is wait confidently. Wait confidently. Again, James picks this back up. My friend, follow the example of the prophets who spoke for the Lord. They were what? There it is again. Even when they had to suffer. In fact, we praise the ones who endure the most. Remember how what? Oh, you're getting weak on me again. Remember how what? How patient Job was and how the Lord finally helped him. The Lord did this because... He is so merciful and kind. Now, I know that many of you are new to, to Christ and you're new to church and you don't know all the stories of the Bible like some of us have been around a while. But let me just give you a short version. of This is a guy by the name of Job that's in the Bible in the Old Testament. And Job was a man that uh, was a good man. I mean, a righteous man. And he was a blessed man. He had, he had wealth. He had health. He had his children were doing good. And w- but in one day, Job had a bad day. I mean, he had a real bad day. All of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, a storm come in and just destroyed all his cattle and stuff. And so he was broke in one day. All, he lost all of his wealth. In one day, in and and that same day, somebody else came in and said, Job, there's been a bad accident. The house has just been destroyed that your kids was in and killed your kids. Your children are lost. Lost his family. And then one day, all of a sudden, he got sick. And the Bible says he got so sick that that he could hardly even go, had these boils breaking out on his body, and he'd have to scrape them with a piece of of pottery And it it got so bad, his wife wasn't as patient as Job. And she said, Job, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? Because I can't stand to see you suffer like this. But Job, he learned to wait confidently, no matter what was going on in his life even in the bad time. And so I have a passage right here. This is what Job said in the middle of that. Look at this verse. In Job 13 and 15, he says, though he, talking about God, though he slay me. Would you read what's underlined with me? You ready? Come on. Yet will I trust him. How about you? That's where patience comes in with God. Do you trust God? Will you trust God? In, the, in this moment of pain that you're in, in the, and it seems like it's never going to get better, will you trust God? And listen, if, you don't, if, you've, not, if, you're not, if you've never been through brokenness, you're going to go through it. It's a life-changing event when you go through a brokenness, go through a broken time. I remember, um, again, I, I've just reminisced this week thinking about this but in 2004 it was a horrible time to be a part of this church horrible you know right now it's a good time I mean people coming it's a buzz of our community It's, it's great and and God is blessing it's wonderful but it's not always been that way in 2004 I was messed up I was running around trying to make everybody happy, and, and again, our church, you know, was only, uh, you know, a couple hundred people, and, and I was trying to make everybody happy, I was trying to fix everybody's problems, and, and the more harder I tried, the worse it got, and, and, and listen, even in my own house, it got bad, Rhonda and I wasn't doing that great as well, and everything in my life just seemed like it was in a mess, and I, I'm in fixing mode, and I'm just going running, 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 trying to fix it. Well, the more I, harder I tried, the more people got frustrated, the more people left their church. And and if, if you know anything about church, that means that if there's no people here, there's no finances here to pay for the building. And the bottom line is was we was going under. I sit back there in that desk and I never forget the day that my secretary came in and she said, Hey, I just, you know, uh, we usually give you a financial a monthly report every month. You know how we're doing. I knew it wasn't good. But she laid it on my she said, I just want to let you know. As of today we have $8000 left in the bank. That's it. Our payment will be due in 2 weeks. It's a it's $8300. We have our staff to pay, their salaries. And that's it. We're done. She was a bit nicer than that when she said that to me and so I said thank you and she walked out of the office and that was it. I said, "God, I'm done." I'm done. As of today, God, I said, as of today, I want you to know that, Lord, I will no longer be a pastor. I'm going to step up on that stage next Sunday, and I'm going to tell this people, God, because you're still good, but I'm not. God, I'm no good. I, I'm, I, my leadership is bad. I can't lead. And I, I don't know. I'm messed up, God. And, and I failed you. Failed you. And I'm sorry. So next week I'm going to step up there and I'm going to tell these people that we're, we're closing this church down. We're selling the building. I never ever want to be a pastor again. I want to be a Christian and I'll go to church, but I don't want to, I don't want to ever preach again. And I'm going to move my wife back closer to her family. I said that with tears running down my face because I was a broken man. Have you ever been broken? I'm sitting there, and that same secretary rings my office and says, hey, there's three men here to look at the building. I clean my face up and think, okay, God, I- I'm going to sell it to them. And they walk in the back of this door, and that, they said, Pastor, we're, here to look at your, we're not here to look at your building. I said, well, what can I help you with? They said, well, that very first church you own in Forest Park, you remember you owner financed that? Yes, we did. And that, those people went bankrupt, and we were told we'd never get the money, and we could not ever approach them again. They said, well, we're here today to pay you for that building. I said, what? (laughs) We're to pay you for that building. Long story short, within two weeks, we had $157,000 in our account. I'm telling you, listen to me. When you feel like you can't go on anymore, Because you've been trying to fix everybody and everything around you. And your world is crumbling. Though he slay me, I will trust him. And God comes through. When you don't know what to do. When your kids are driving you crazy. When that spouse is driving you crazy. When that job is driving you crazy. And you get to the end of you. You just got to be assured that God will come through. And I'm telling you, if God had not come through, you wouldn't be sitting here today. But God knew. See, back then, well, I didn't know you and you didn't know me. But God knew that there needed to be a church here because before you met Jesus Christ and before you come here, guess, your life was a little jacked up and you was a little messed up. But God has done something for you and he's doing something in you and your life is better. You're not the same anymore. Why? Because there's a good God that's on the throne and he's got you up under his wings he's got you baby you're not in this by yourself I don't care what you're going through this morning you listen to me that God's got it and you just hold on you quit running and you just hold on that's why the Bible says look what he says but those who wait on the Lord shall what Renew their strength. And he says, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but this is all I know. Is that the it that you're going through, God's going to use that it to strengthen you. See, 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 see. God knew that I would have a thousand times more stress than that with 10,000 people than I would 200 people. And so he let me go through that to see. He was stretching me because I thought, I thought surely I'm going to break down and I'm going to go crazy. But he was working at something inside of me, making me into a man and toughening me up and allowing me to say, no, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That you can't kill me, only God got me. Amen? Amen. He's got me. Oh, the, and when you wait on the Lord, he shall renew your strength, and they shall mount up with wings like a what? Like an eagle. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here's what I'm here to tell you today. It's stop your running. You're running to and fro. You're busy. You're just running, and you're about to have a breakdown. God says stop. Stop running. Chickens run. You go by a chicken coop and a little wind begins to blow and they just blah, 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 blah all over the chicken yard. Stop being a chicken. You've got to stop running. Some of you today, you're not a Christ follower and you're running and you're, and, you're, and you're out of control and things are out of control in your life and you can't do anything about it and you're just running. Today's the day you stop. You go on this program right here, you look on this program, it says, praying a prayer to become a Christ follower. Today's your day. You begin to pray that prayer. And you say, God, I quit running. I'm not running anymore. You got, I gotta have you. You read it and pray. You don't have to stand up, run forward, you don't do any of that. Right now, it's between you and God. Stop running. And pick up this card. On the back, just check the box I'm praying to pray to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you this week. Now listen, there's some others of you. You've been a chicken. You're already a Christian, but you've forgotten you're a chicken. And you're running, just like I was running. But this is what I learned, and here's what I want you to learn today. Eagles don't run. They don't run. He says, you're going to mount up with wings as eagles, eagle. And this is what I want you to know. He said, you're going to soar. You're going to soar like an eagle. You know what? He didn't say you're going to fly like an eagle. You know why? Because you've got to flap your wings. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to soar like the eagle.'" what does that mean? That means that you're going to learn to stretch out your wings and as the wind begins to blow instead of running like a chicken you're going to realize that God is in that wind and if you will just wait on God you'll let the wind of God blow against you and guess what? When the wind of God blows under your wings you're going to rise up above that and it won't take you down anymore it won't destroy you anymore those people can't take you down no, 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 no you can say whatever you want to say about me into me, but it did not take me down no more. Why? Because the wind is blowing. The wind is blowing. The Holy Spirit of God is blowing and he's letting me know that Jeff no matter if everybody turns their back on you, I got you and you're going to make it. I'm here to tell you today, I don't care who's turned their back on you. I don't care what they've said about you. If you'll just stretch out your wing today, the Holy Spirit of God is here. What He's here to blow into your life and raise you up. That you can soar. You don't even have to flap your wings. You can soar. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Oh, I'm not the same man I used to be. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a better man. And you're a better man. You're a better woman because of what God is doing in your life. Would you stand with me? Oh, man, I've been praying for you all week because if you can get this, if you can get this, when you walk into that job tomorrow, you're not going to go into press tomorrow. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to soar into school tomorrow. You're going to soar into that job. Because the day is your day that God's going to breathe in your situation. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. God's going to breathe in it. Father, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we're willing to wait. But God, as we wait, we need to be refreshed. And so this day, oh God, we stretch out our wings. Lord, our hands in Praise. And we say, let the wind blow, oh God, let it blow. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net, And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.